The scripture reading today comes from Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, and it's also printed on page 8 of your bulletin. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here with us. Uh, Before I even begin, I just want to actually acknowledge our brother Dan Kim, who led us in offertory. Um, Just felt very convicted by that song this morning. It literally almost had me on my knees, making me weep almost like an infant baby, but that was from the Holy Spirit. So brother, I just want to acknowledge you and just say how encouraged I am by that song. And I hope you guys are encouraged this morning as we are here to worship him this morning. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the honor to share the word with you guys this morning. And as we're going through our sermon series on the book of Ephesians, we're going through the theme, the meaning of the church, essentially asking what does it mean to come together as a collective unit of believers to preach the gospel in our lives and how that is relevant to the people that are surrounding you. Let it be within the context of your work field or your school field, wherever it may be, and how that plays out for you and I in every day of our lives. And as we go through the book of Ephesians today, we're going to go a little bit deeper in chapter 5, and I'm going to ask that you guys would join me in prayer this morning. Lord God, we want to just give this time to you right now. Lord Father, you know my heart, you know where I am this morning, and I ask, Lord God, that you will just use me right now. You will, Lord God, work in my heart. Lord God, you will stir in me, Lord, a a passion for your name, Jesus, Lord God, and may that be the outpouring of my heart and soul this morning. Lord God, for everyone here, Lord God, believer or non-believer, one in faith or the skeptic. Lord God, we praise you, Lord God, that you have joined us all together in oneness, Lord God, that we can hear you, Lord God, a little bit more clearly. So, Father, for everyone here within this room, Lord God, whatever story, Lord God, whatever part of our lives that we're really in right now, whatever suffering, Lord, that's surrounding us, whatever sin that is consuming us, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that your word will speak and convict individually, Lord God, so collectively we can come together and worship you. Lord God, I pray that you will use me. I desire to be an instrument within the Redeemer's hands, so Lord, use me accordingly to your strength for your glory. We thank you. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I may not be the oldest, but in the many years of ministry that God has graciously called me to, I praise God that he has sustained me by grace 
to the point where I can stand in front of you all this morning. Because it's within these many years, I have known people that have fallen, not only from the ministry that they were called to, but what is even more heartbreaking is seeing people run away from the Christian faith as a whole. I have known people whose lives were personally ruined and lost just because of an episode of anger that has led to death and imprisonment. I have known people that have ruined their own lives and the lives that have surrounded them because of deep-rooted sexual sin that were never put into light and forcefully put into practice. There are people that I have known that have never moved forward into a newness of life simply because they were stuck in their own pride and arrogance. And I just want to make this clear. I'm not saying this to judge anyone or to even make myself really righteous and holy. My point is this is that you and I, we are all one grave sin away from unraveling. I too stand in front of you as someone that is one misstep away from my own pit of darkness. See, everyone in this room right now is susceptible to the uttermost darkness that your heart naturally desires. We are only one misstep away from falling into the deep despair of darkness. You could be standing on the pulpit, you could be sitting listening, but we are all one misstep away from utter darkness. And as we dive into the text this morning, there is a reason why the Apostle Paul declares to the church of Ephesus and you and I within this room right now to not even misstep into a hint of darkness. For it only takes a hint of darkness that can lead to a pathway of destruction in your life and the lives that surround you right now. And if this is you this morning, where you feel like darkness is clouding your hope, my prayer is that this text will remind you of who you are in Christ. That you and I, if in Christ, and that is proclaimed, that you are not children of darkness, but in him you are children of light. That you can live accordingly to promise and not darkness. I got three points for us this morning as we talk about our identity as children of light. Three points is that as children of light, we have renewed identity. Secondly, renewed character. And finally, renewed hope. Identity, character, and hope. First point, our renewed identity. Look at verse 8 with me. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Now here the Apostle Paul, he's giving us this rich symbolism of light and darkness. And this is actually a common imagery all throughout Scripture and even other popular ancient religions and even in the pop culture for all of the Star Wars lovers out there, right? 
right? There's a notion of light and darkness. It's this common image, this theme we see all throughout society and Scripture. So when you look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. We fast forward in some New Testament Gospels in John chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus declares that he is the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And just as Jesus identifies himself as the light of the world, when the Apostle Paul says that you are light in the Lord, he is reminding the believer of a renewed identity as a child of light. The Apostle Paul right now is simply talking about identity. Now, if you look at verse 9 specifically, the Apostle Paul, before he talks about children of light, he actually emphasizes this idea of darkness. But what's interesting is that when he talks about darkness, he doesn't say the things that you are doing is darkness. No, does he say, you look a lot like darkness. The Apostle Paul in verse 9, he states that we were darkness. See, Paul's primary point is that your darkness goes beyond behavior and thought, but it is by nature who we are. And so for the Apostle Paul, I think he's emphasizing this. Why? Because for one to have renewed identity as a child of God, a child of light, we must first simply acknowledge that we were once darkness. See, in Scripture, when you see the word darkness, darkness symbolizes ignorance, falsehood, and the loss of walking in truth. If you dive a little bit deeper, when you talk about darkness, it's an image for spiritual enslavement and even death. And in verse 8, the Apostle Paul, when he says, you are not within the light of the Lord, you are actually in utter darkness with no way out. And the question I have for us this morning, if you are in this room right now, simply is this. What is the hint of darkness you need to address right now? If I could dive a little bit deeper, what are the things that you value more than God? And would you consider that these idols are actually creating more darkness rather than bringing you light and joy? See, sometimes the things you think will bring you your greatest joy is actually feeding into the darkness of your soul. And when you place your identity into the darkness that your soul craves, it will rob you out of your true joy. About two months ago, uh, if you look in, in, in culture and social media, we've come to see that Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, two very well-known loved icons in pop culture, they both committed suicide and it left uh, many saddened by this tragedy. Because on the outside, no one would know the despair that they were actually experiencing. 
See, if you looked from the outside, you looked at Kate Spade, you, she was known to be very playful and fun and actually has shown through all of the designs that she's created. They, many said that kind of represented who she was as she socialized with people. Then you look at guys like Anthony Bourdain, a high-functioning, renowned traveler and chef all over TV. All the things that people would want in their lives, they all had it. All to simply find out that beyond closed doors, there was just a deeper and darker depression that was so real that they were unable to deal with despite their worldly success. And I think when you look at guys that we kind of idolize on media, it tells us something about life. That there is no outside joy that can fill your darkest void. If anything, it will lead to more disappointment because they will constantly fail you. It's this vicious cycle of hopelessness. So as we dive back into the text, the Apostle Paul, he's reminding us that, yes, you were once in darkness, void, brokenness, suffering, sin, empty. But when you come to a living God, the light of living hope, and he is within you, the only thing that can fulfill your hearts and your innermost desires. And when you are in him, you are no longer an orphan with no father and no point and no vision and no life and no conviction. But rather, as a child of God, you have Abba Father and you can cling to him and you can trust in him. And Paul is reminding us this morning of this radical transformation of a new identity. And it must not come from anything that you earn, not from anything that you work for, but only in faith, knowing that he has already saved you from darkness. J.R. Tolkien says it this way, May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. That in him there is renewed identity. This leads us to our second point that as children of light, renewed identity, what follows secondly is that he renews our character. Look at verse 9 and 10 with me. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Now, what's rich about these verses is that it's actually diving deeper into this renewed identity as children of light. It dives deeper on the aspect of functionality of the light. In other words, a renewed identity as children of light actually should give us a renewed understanding on how we are to live. The natural fruit that the Apostle Paul is talking about when you are uh, renewed, when you have a new identity in the name of Jesus, it actually gives you a new character, right? If God's character is perfect, if it is good, righteous, and all-knowing, and we are unified with him, we are too are called by nature to reflect accordingly to his character. See, if I can dive deeper, when you talk about walking as children of light, not only does it entail the fruits of light being produced in your lives, but it also excludes participation in the unfruitful works of darkness, right? Light and darkness, they are incompatible. 
So if, if you dive deeper actually into this text, what we begin to see is that this uh, exhortation to live accordingly to the gospel and to have good character is actually a continuation of Ephesians chapter 4 that Pastor Donnie was going over for the past few weeks. Specifically, he's talking about how the believer is simply to take off the old and put on the new. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 through 24, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, when we talk about old and new, what I love is that the Apostle Paul, he's diving a little bit in more deeper detail in light of renewed character. And he goes a little bit deeper where in verse 10, he says the Apostle Paul, he says to find out what pleases the Lord. Now, what do, we, what do we mean by pleasing the Lord? The more literal term in the Greek is simply to discern. It means to have wisdom, to live out Old Testament proverbs and new circumstances. And the question for us today is that as a believer, do you find yourself able to discern what is good for you and pleasing to the Lord that goes beyond your inner desires? What do I mean? I mean, let's say that you're working a job and it provides a way financially all across the board and you're financially more than well off. But in exchange for that, it's killing your Christian character and in the same way, it's probably destroying your household because of the demands of this work. The simple question is, are you being wise and sticking it out? Because you're filling the darkness and the void of the innermost desires? Or are you questioning in wisdom, seeking counsel to say, should I actually even be in this? For it's picking my, and it's compromising my faith and my value and the people that are around me. Now I'm not giving you a yes or no. I'm just simply asking in light of wisdom, are you just asking the question? Are you allowing new identity actually challenge some of those innermost desires? See, I think what differentiates an immature believer and a mature believer is the ability and affinity to discern what glorifies God the most in life in all of your circumstances. It means that you're having the ability to allow Scripture counsel you when you can actually sense you are falling back into darkness to find the darkness that you're absorbed in. You know, are you diving through Scripture? Are you meditating on Scripture when you realize that sin and darkness is starting to overwhelm you? Sometimes it is simply as memorizing a psalm and just letting it breathe in and breathe out to remind you of the light that you are already in. Now, when we continue in verse 11 and 12, we continue on this notion of renewed character. Read with me. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. See, the Apostle Paul, he's making it clear. That's about character. Now, the first part, we talked about wisdom. But if I can say this, discernment is only half the battle. You can discern. You can think wisely. You can talk like you're wise. 
But if you aren't empowered by Holy Spirit to execute on this discernment by exposing your sin and deep repentance, then that wisdom is not really wisdom at all. If I can say it this way, if you aren't able to function according to your faith, we need to reevaluate and reassess where you are in light of the faith that you proclaim. See, it's a great danger. I tell you right now, as someone that is standing, there is a great danger for you and I. Don't be fooled because we spit out wisdom. Don't be fooled because we think we know it all. But rather, will you allow it to practically live out? Will you make decisions accordingly to the wisdom that you proclaim in the name of Jesus? Because what happens is if not responding accordingly to functionality, light of character, what happens is that you are once again one misstep away from falling back into darkness because of the things that your heart naturally desires. This becomes this road of self-absorption and self-indulgence and secrecy that the Apostle Paul says, stay away from. And my challenge for you and I this morning is will you allow God to work into the innermost desires so he can work in your heart to sanctify you? And the question is, what are those sins in the uttermost darkness that you hide so well from yourself, from others, and towards God? What are those things that bring you into shame and constantly uh, place yourself in secrecy? And the challenge is, will you come in full submission to just trust in him just a little bit more that you can reflect him knowing that it's for your good and oh, for his glory. Would you come in repentance admitting that you are in need of a good, good father and that in him there is power to function accordingly to the identity you have in God. It's all about a renewed identity and in light of identity allows you to function in light of his character. Now I know some of us in this room right now, maybe you are truly in Christ or maybe you're questioning it or maybe you're kind of wrestling with this truth because you feel like there's an unwilling this to change or you're saying, Brian, I'm not really there just yet. What do I do? Well, what I love about Ephesians 5 and this latter verse is actually give us a renewed hope. Look at verse 13 and 14 with me. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So if you think about life by its very nature, life wasn't always meant to function in darkness and fear and doubt. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. But the reality is, we dive into Genesis chapter 3, we see a fall, and that goes a little bit haywire. And now the reality is, is that you and I, we all 
are going to deal with our darkness, our fear, and our doubt. And it may not be right now, but I guarantee you it might be tomorrow. It might not be right now, but I guarantee you that it is to come. And it's going to be in these moments where you're going to be wrestling with the faith that you proclaim. And in light of that wrestling, what's going to happen is that it's going to kind of possibly just bring into, you, into this darkness, this despair. And now you're kind of asking yourself, where does my hope come from? Now I'm going to be very clear and transparent with you. I'm talking a good word right now, my confidence in the Lord. But don't get me wrong, you see me at a Monday morning, I'm proclaiming Psalm 6-3, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, oh Lord, how long? Where does our hope come from? Verse 14, he says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I just want to let you know this morning, if you need a little bit of hope in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your suffering, Oh, may Jesus be your hope. Jesus is the living hope that you need for today. That in the most desperate moments, when you have nothing to cling on to, you can remember of his love. You can remember of his kindness and his grace and his mercy. And we see it on the cross. See, on the cross, it tells us that Jesus is our hope because he certainly most gets it. See, on the cross, Jesus, too, experienced darkness. However, this darkness was far greater than any darkness that you have experienced in your life. Jesus Christ, he experienced an outer darkness where he was physically broken on the cross, crucified for the world to see. At the same time, we see that Jesus Christ, he experienced an inner darkness where he was completely abandoned by the Father, talking about isolation and loneliness, darkness. He was in complete darkness, experiencing abandonment, isolation, fully broken. So when you are dealing with these things in your life because of a circumstance, you can cling on to him. Because sometimes people may not get you. The fact that you do it long enough, they might get a little bit tired of you. But that's when you can cling on to him. That's when you can hold on a little bit more. If I promise you, he will always listen and he will hear your cries. How long, oh Lord, how long? That on the cross, you can know be reminded that he hears your cries because he remained silent even though he had the right to say whatever he wanted. See, on the cross, Jesus conquered death. So all the chains that relates to your darkness, they are broken. If you feel enchained to your despair and darkness, I'm going to be very clear, that is a lie. That is a lie that you created in yourself. That is that sin, and that is a great lie because when we see the cross, it's declared that all chains are broken. Sin is death. Death is conquered. 
Christ is risen. He is alive. There is no grip. There is no condemnation that can separate you from the love of Christ. So may you remember this. Now, if you continue looking at these verses, uh, what I love is that it tells us that when in Christ, it tells us this this simple statement that he makes everything visible, right? I I love that because, in other words, if you are in Christ, right, you got to remember that if truly in him, he will expose you of the things that you want to expose yourself. If truly in him, he will expose you of everything. He will expose you of every microfiber of your soul. He will magnify every detail of your suffering. He will put light into every inch of your darkness so you can truly be awakened to the beauty of his gospel, that you can experience a daily renewal where you can love him more. And that's going to be the question that you're going to have to ask before you hear this, this good news of the gospel. The reality is that this good news of this light that you're experiencing, the reality is, is that as this light is kind of shining upon you, the reality is it's going to hurt a little bit. But in light of that hurt, in light of that initial pain, there does come true freedom and true joy. I mean, I remember... When I was, uh, you know, way younger, and I had a, we had a small house, and it was just my brother and I, and man, I'll never forget, uh, my brother was a jerk, right? So he was really mean, and he was an older brother, typical older brother, younger brother relationship. And I don't know why, I don't, I don't know why people do the things that they do. We got to pray for them. But I remember we would be in this room, and every morning, he was a morning person, right? I'm not. Right? He's the guy that woke up at 7 a.m., you know, and this is like when we were younger, so it's like, you know, a little different. You know, I like to sleep in. And I'll never forget that every single morning, I don't know, for a really long time, it's too traumatic. I don't even want to think about how long it was. But I remember every single morning, right, the window was right next to me. Every single morning, he would pull the shade up, sun bright as you can get. And he would just go, wake up, and wake up, and yell, and scream, and just do God-awful things to a young person. I don't know why you would do the things that you do. But the point was this, is that in that moment, in my darkness, right, in my, in my isolation where I wasn't trying to see the light, reality was that the light was a little bit painful. Like, I had a hard time seeing. My eyes were a little bit too tired to actually see the light. But in actuality, the light was needed for me to get my day going. Are y'all with me? Right? In reality is Christ, the gospel, the name of Jesus, it will expose you of everything. It will expose you of your inner desires. And yes, it may hurt. Yes, it may reveal much. It may in some ways kind of unveil and unravel a greater suffering. But in light of that greater suffering, it will allow you to function in light of hope, knowing that it's for his glory and for your good. C.S. Lewis says it this way, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. 
when you are saying and proclaiming that you are allowing Christ to expose you, it means that you are willing to submit to the truth of Scripture, the conviction of the Spirit, and to live in a way where you can reflect Jesus. On the cross, his darkness became your light. His suffering became your glory. His sacrifice became your hope. Now, as I close out, simply ask the question is, how do we apply this if you are in darkness today? How do you apply this right now if you are in darkness right now as we're hearing this word? I think simply, very practically, is as we, Paul talks about that we're children of light, I think it's really important to recognize, to surround yourself with the people in your life that have the same gospel-centered values within your walk. Why? Because when you're in darkness, you're blind to your sin. Right? If you really believe that there's a sense of darkness, that means you can't see. It means you don't know where the light switch is. So you don't know when to turn it on. So when you are in darkness, you need a few brothers and you need a few sisters that are going to help you wake up. You need a few brothers and a few sisters that are going to turn the switch on for you when you desperately need it to wake you up, to shake you a little bit, to wrestle with you, to walk with you, to fight with you. Sometimes you need people to just drag your soul out of spiritual darkness when your darkness is to the point of hopelessness. Remember that, that you are a child of God, but as a collective unit, as a church, we are children of light. Remember that if Jesus is who he, he says he is, that he is the light of the world, then there most certainly is a hope and a newfound joy to come for you and I. Would you join me in prayer this morning?